0: All right, we're going to start out with a poll. If you go to a coffee shop, who are the people that do not get coffee? All right, these are Adobe's people. Who are the people that get coffee? Who are the people that add extra caffeine? Hey, my people! Here we are. No one's shocked that I add extra caffeine or you, Dr. Ramon Pastrano. Uh, Hey, welcome to Mill City one more time. My name is Stephanie. I'm the lead pastor here. We're so glad that you're joining us. Uh, We would love to get connected with you, like Adobe said. Please let us know who you are. And I also want to offer a free gift to everybody, and that is a free beverage, coffee or otherwise, at the brand-new Corner Coffee, which is also a church on Sundays, coffee shop all week long, over on Central Avenue. But to give you that free gift, I am asking that we... Have you fill out a survey about community life for us? Because listen, our heart here as a staff and as leaders is to be able to equip people to love Jesus and to worship Jesus, to live in community and to live on mission for Jesus in the world. And we can't do that if we don't hear from you. Uh, Listening is a big part of our culture. So would you fill that out for us and let us know so that we can be able to discern what God might be doing amongst us so that we can step into the fall uh, in intentional ways? That's the whole goal of that. So if you go, it can be anonymous, please fill it out and then you'll be able to to go get your beverage at corner coffee which is so exciting so would you do that for us that would be so great we really appreciate it uh, before we jump into the scripture today would you pray with me father son and holy spirit we welcome you to this place As Pastor Asher said, we believe that your presence in our lives makes a difference and we believe that you are here in this school right now. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would remain here in Las Estrellas throughout the week that would make a difference for these teachers as they're coming back and preparing their classrooms for these kids to learn this year. God, we pray a blessing on this school. And God, we also pray that your Holy Spirit would be leading and guiding each one of us as we listen to your story today. And as we go from this place, knowing that you go before us and we are joining you wherever you are in any community that we're a part of, uh, we're grateful for the promise of your presence, Jesus, wherever we go. So, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So um, I'm going to start out today with a confession. I, I teach preaching at Bethel Seminary, and that is not advised to start out with a confession at the beginning of the sermon, but here we are. Actually, it's more than one confession, and uh, this is what happened. I, a few weeks ago, was on a trip, and I was going down to Indianapolis uh, to, to go to a meeting for a board that I serve on. And the first confession is, is, let's just say it was one of those traveling days where I had gotten pretty crabby. Anyone else been there with the traveling lately? Please tell me i'm not the only one so my flight got in super late it was like 11:30 p.m and i get there and i've got 40 minute drive to my hotel and i pull out the app and i'm looking at lyft and there's no cars to come pick me up all right so i'm like what do i do like i don't even know how to call a taxi like is that even a thing still finally someone from lyft says that he'll come get me so i'm thinking great and as I'm waiting for him to come, he calls me on my phone and he says, this is your Lyft driver. I said, great, I really, I'm tired, I'm crabby. I didn't say the crabby part. And he said, the problem is, is that I'm actually like a luxe black XL Lyft. And the app is going to charge me, charge you like you're just a regular Lyft. And that's not going to be what I'm supposed to get paid for this 40-minute drive, all right? Now, remember, I'm crabby, so I put on my best voice and I just said, well... I just need to go to my hotel and I will give you the biggest tip that it allows me to give you, okay? So the guy's like, okay, he kind of sighs, I'll come get you. So I get into the car and uh, it's, a, it's an Escalade. I had never been in an Escalade before. I like snapped a quick picture to send to JD. I'm like, Escalade, what's happening? So I get into this Escalade and uh, confession number two, um, as I get into this guy's car, it's clear that if we're going to be in the car for 40 minutes, he wants to chat, I'm not feeling like chatting. That's my confession. I was not feeling friendly. I had been a long time since I had double caffeinated. I was not feeling it. And so my crabbiness, I'm like, maybe I can just get lost in my phone and look like I'm doing important texts at 11.30 p.m. But part of my crabbiness is that I get motion sick, and so I couldn't look at my phone. It was just bad. I mean, it was just not going well. And so I thought to myself, I think I'm supposed to think, like, what would Jesus do? Jesus would not ignore driver James. That's not what he would do. So I got over myself. I engaged in friendly conversation with James. And James asks me, so what are you in town for? Okay. Confession number three. I tell James I am on the board of an organization and I very intentionally do not mention that this is a Christian organization. I also do not mention that I'm a pastor. I just say I'm on the board of an organization. Now, maybe some of you have noticed in your own lives, please tell me I'm not the only one, that there's moments with almost without thinking of it where you go, mm, maybe I should hold that part about me being a person of faith back in this moment because I, I don't know totally what's happening here. And this is what was happening to me. I thought, you know, sometimes uh, when, when the conversation happens with a stranger and you share that you're a person of faith, it can be really good, but lately it's not always been good. Please tell me I'm not the only one feeling this tension. Okay, so this is what's happening. Thank you. And so short story long, what happens is, is that even though I do not confess to James that I'm a pastor or that I'm a Jesus follower, James starts telling me all these things about his life. Just, and then he just, finally he just says, I do not know why I'm telling you all this. Now remember, I'm tired, okay? So I say, well, James, I'll tell you why. It's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I'm a pastor this is what I'm called to do is to listen to people and to be in their life and he says I kid you not I knew it (laughs) I knew it I could tell I could tell by your picture I just felt like I knew you we've never met I'm thinking did I meet James oh no he's like we've never met but I felt like I knew you were a sister of mine I kid you not, and James is like, "Well, wow, floodgates. So then he's just like telling me about the pain that he's experienced. Four years ago, his mom fell ill, and so he had to care for her, which meant he put his career as a gospel worship artist on, the, on the, the back burner, and he hasn't been singing again. He hasn't been back in church since COVID. He's telling me all this stuff, and I got a chance to say, James, God has your voice right where it's at for a reason right now in this lift driving car. Your encouragement to me, your encouragement to people, and also... What if God does want you to start singing again, James? James is trying not to cry while he's driving. This is what's happening. We get to the hotel, and he comes out to help me with my bag, and I just said, and he's a big guy. I'm like, James, can I give you a hug? And he's like, yes! And he gives me a hug, and then right at the same time, he says, will you pray for me? And I say, can I pray for you? And I got to, I got to bless James and just tell him that I believe that God has him there for a purpose, and his voice is 12.30 in the morning at this point. And I'm just like, James, now that was amazing, Right? But this, the reality is, is like, why did I not want to share that I was a Christian with James? Because that's just as real as how amazing that experience was with James. And the reason I didn't want to is because so often when I have had that same conversation, it has not been amazing. It's actually been really hard. It's actually sometimes been difficult. I, I, I noticed that, that there's times when the label Christian, I can tell, is difficult for people who have been hurt, it's difficult for people who are suspicious for various reasons. And I actually, I try to say that I'm a Jesus follower, if I'm honest with you. I have no problem with the label Christian. But I've noticed, I have had people right to my face, just right outright say that they have a problem with Christians and Christianity. But I have never had anyone say to me that they have a problem with Jesus. So I say that I'm a Jesus follower, not not because I'm against the term, but I want people to know, for me, it's about Jesus. The truth is, it has been amazing other times, like it was with James, but many other times it's been difficult. It's been awkward. It's been unsure. I think even more so not with strangers like James, but with our neighbors. I'm thinking, do they want to know they live next to a professional Christian? Probably not. So this is the tension I invite you into because I know that, that, that this is not just me. The challenge and the invitation to us today as we continue in this conversation of taking steps of faith is that when we look at the last words of Jesus, the last things he said to his Jesus followers on earth before he physically left, it is so clear that we are to share the story of Jesus with others. You you can't miss it. And I've also noticed that many of us, myself included, it's feeling harder and harder to do that for for many reasons. And and so I I look at this reality for so many of us, and if, if church is not what you grew up in, welcome. But one of the words we've used for talking about the story of Jesus is evangelism, which comes from the Greek word euangelion, which means good news. And so the tension that I find myself in is that in these moments in a lift or when I'm talking to my neighbors is that it doesn't always sound good people's ears right now because some of them are thinking of people who've taken the name of Jesus which is what it means when you call yourself a Christian Uh, it originally means like little Christ people who've taken the name of Jesus and done the opposite of living the way of Jesus and I feel concerned and I feel that tension and instead of good news I have heard from people that it can sound like judgmental news or exclusive news or elitist news or hypocritical news the list could go on But we see in Scripture today that it has been challenging to share Jesus right from the start. This isn't new for us here. There are new aspects to this challenge, but it's not new. There has always been skeptics. And even though it's challenging, if Jesus has changed our lives and is changing our lives, I think we want to figure out how we can share sincerely and, and in loving ways what that means to us and invite other people to consider it. So today I pose this question to you. How do we share about Jesus in a way that is good news to the world around us? Emphasis on the good. How do we share this reality of Jesus in a way that is good news to the world around us? And I'm going to bring two other questions then for us to consider today. So let's start. Let's start with those last words Jesus shared before he left the earth. What did Jesus actually say? Some of you are wondering that same thing, and others are saying, I memorized it. So let's just look at it, okay? Uh, Jesus is talking right at the end of Matthew 28. He's with his disciples, the closest followers that he had. He's on a mountain, which just a little note when you're reading scripture, whenever Jesus or somebody's having a mountain experience, that's to remind us that this is God speaking. Remember in the story of Exodus, remember Moses, God is speaking. And so this is what's happening here. And Jesus says is speaking to his disciples, and this is what he says. Um, We'll start in verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age." So whether these words are new to you or you've memorized them or something in between, I just want to unpack this a little bit. Because sometimes for those of us who have heard something a lot, we wonder, like, is this something new? And others of us are thinking, well, what does that mean? And so first of all, we just see this very clear instruction. Go and make disciples of all nations. Now, if we're in the first century, those people listening would have been like, whoa, he even means people who aren't Jewish? Like Jesus, I mean, he said all nations, right? Did he say all nations? Did you hear all nations? He said, that means the Gentiles. And if you look a little deeper in that, that is not the relationship that people had. There was a barrier huge between the Jews and the Gentiles. Also in our cultural context here uh, in North America, our dominant culture, I think that we have sometimes defined disciple very differently than it would have been understood in the first century. Jesus didn't say, notice, he didn't say, go and make churchgoers right? He, he also didn't say, go and make good moral people. That, that's not in there. He also doesn't say, go and make Christians. That's not what he says. I mean, there's actually good evidence, and I, I, this is, I would love to talk to you about this. There is good evidence that Jesus' hopeful outcome of his life and ministry, his death and his resurrection was not merely one of the myriad of world religions to choose from in the future, Jesus didn't come to hmm, start a religion. That's a good idea. That's not why he came. And so many people, many scholars would say when he says go and make disciples, a better way for us to think about it in our North American context is apprentice. Go and make apprentices. Apprentice is a better word. A disciple or an apprentice in scripture comes from the Hebrew word talmudim. Those who apprentice under Jesus, they're coming up under the way of Jesus Jesus looks at those who have been apprenticing him for three years, and he says to them, Go and make more apprentices. But notice he doesn't say of yourselves, he's saying, Go and make more apprentices of me, of Jesus. It's about apprenticing under the way of Jesus. That's the best way to think of it. Being an apprentice under the, the way of Jesus. Just like vocationally we might think of, if you're going to learn a trade, you might come and watch and learn and begin to live into that ability. Apprentice. Eugene Peterson in the message paraphrase says, train everyone you meet near and far in this way of life. Train everyone you meet near and far in this way of life. That's the way he describes go and make disciples. He then says, instruct them in the practice of all that I have commanded you. That part's important, right? Go in and make people who apprentice me and help them learn about what you heard from me about how to live. And we need to recognize when Jesus is saying, like all that I have commanded you, their brains right away would have gone to something very specific. What would it be? What we now call the great commandment. All right, so the passage we just read, we've started to call it the Great Commission. Um, Those are words we've given to it in, in the future here. And then now we're saying this is the Great Commandment, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. And so what I think is so cool is that right here in the midst of the Great Commission, we find the Great Commandment. I think it's so cool that it's right there. Teach others to obey everything I've commanded you, is what Jesus says. And anyone who had been following Jesus would have thought about what is so clearly documented in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, what we now call the great commandment to love the Lord your God and to love other people, to love God and love others. Jesus says there's no greater commandment than these. Then he goes even farther to say all of the laws hang on these two. So the invitation in Matthew 28 is to apprentice Jesus and to invite others to apprentice him. Now, I don't know if some of you, in your vocation, you got the chance to apprentice somebody. Uh, and some of you were maybe just thrown into the deep end of your career. Some of you, like, that's you and prayers for you. Like, that's a lot. But some people get a chance to apprentice somebody, and that can be a great way to learn how to do something really well, right? Right? The challenge for us as Jesus followers in 2022 is that while Jesus right here in the Great Commission says he'll be with us forever by the power of the Holy Spirit, he's not physically here with us, obviously. And so what I always want to encourage people to think about is that when we're thinking about apprenticing Jesus, we're looking at the works, what Jesus did, the the words, what Jesus said, and the ways how Jesus did what he did. The works, what Jesus did, the, the words, what Jesus said, and the ways, how did Jesus do what he did and we look at those things and we get a picture of what we're trying to apprentice in our lives i heard pastor john mark comer put it this way if we want to apprentice under jesus we have three goals okay here they are be with jesus become like jesus and do what jesus do, would do if he were you okay be with jesus become like jesus and do what jesus would do if he were you I think the question, what would Jesus do, like I talked about earlier, um, that's a good question. But I do think, like, what would Jesus do if he were you is even better, isn't it? Because you think about how God made you and the time and the place that you live. And I think, like, those bracelets, the what would Jesus do bracelets, like, I think probably, like, W-W-J-D-I-H-W-Y was too long. But I did, like, a mock-up. So if someone's interested, like, we can get these made. You know, I mean, you'd have to just, hmm. And no, no offense to the bracelets because I had many of them. I'm sure they're still at my house somewhere. But I don't think forgetting is our problem. I don't think forgetting to ask the question, what would Jesus do if he were you, is actually our problem. I think we can struggle to actually be compelled to apprentice under Jesus in our everyday lives. That, that we Feel a struggle to actually say, I want to be an apprentice of Jesus on a daily basis. And I think there's a lot of reasons why this is so hard. I'm gonna be the first to admit. I think it's because there's just basically everything around us wants us to apprentice it. Everything that we look and see and hear and do, it, it's beckoning us to be apprentices of that way. So I just wrote down some of the ones that I've seen in my life and people around me the way of the smartphone, the way of the news commentators. The way of self-comfort and self-focus. The way of pure vocational ambition. The way of consumerism. And I just pause there and say, what is it that grips you and says, come and apprentice this way? The strong pull, it grips, I say like it grips me, it tries to grip at me. So let's break down the way of Jesus just really plainly. All right, when we look at Jesus' words and his works, what do we see is Jesus' way? So this is not an exhaustive list, but here's a list, just, just for the sake of the discussion. The way of Jesus is the way of love. Now, not just how I love anything in my life, but unconditional, steadfast, agape love. The way of Jesus is salvation, healing, mercy, radical forgiveness. The way of Jesus is justice, generosity, shalom, which is the Hebrew word that means perfect peace. The way of Jesus is truth, Life to the full. The way of Jesus is everlasting life with Jesus. The way of Jesus is freedom and the way of Jesus is joy. That's not even an exhaustive list, but I look at that and I think, what an incredible invitation. But we also know that it's an incredible challenge, isn't it? It's an incredible challenge to live in to the way of Jesus. Even though I look at that and I think, what a compelling way to live. There's a challenge for us. We face a battle First of all, in this broken world, there's a battle. There's an enemy who does not want us to live into these things. That's just a part of the reality, and we talk more about that in different settings. The sin and the brokenness holds us back from living into what God wants for us, because that's what God wants for us. Second of all, as I spoke about a few weeks ago, Jesus wants all of this for us, but he does want something from us. Jesus wants us, our hearts, our lives, to surrender and to give our lives to him, because that's what he wants to give us. But it's a huge challenge to let go of our illusion of control. It's huge. I look at this list, and even though it's so challenging, I do think it's worth it. I think it's worth pursuing in our lives. So I have this question for us today. Will we choose daily to apprentice under the way of Jesus? Will we choose daily to apprentice under the way of Jesus? To live into these ways as we choose to be with Jesus to become more like Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, and to be people who ask the question, what would Jesus do if he were you? Here at Mill City, we often talk about how the life of discipleship or apprenticeship is a combination of both invitation and challenge. Look at this diagram. Some of you have seen it before, but I'll just give you a snapshot really quick. Jesus is a high invitation and high challenge leader. He leads us towards high invitation and high challenge, but look what happens when we don't have high invitation and high challenge. I mean, Jesus, incredible invitation, but also he said it wouldn't be easy, so it'd be a challenge. But what happens when you have low invitation and you have a low challenge? You're bored. Some of you have been there, maybe not in your whole life, but in your spiritual life. When you have low invitation, but you have high challenge, but the invitation's not there, the support's not there, you're stressed. I won't ask people to raise their hands for that one, but we all know we're stressed. When you have high invitation, which sounds awesome, but low challenge, nice. You actually get cozy. Great. It's not great, though, because it's a fleeting feeling of that comfort zone until you're like, is this what we're doing here? Because I think in the depths of our hearts, what we really want is to be empowered disciples. And Jesus is the only leader that perfectly combined both invitation and challenge, was able to bring those two things together and say, this is what it means. Now you get to be empowered disciples in your life. This is what Jesus does. So when you're in a spot where you feel like, I don't feel empowered in my life with Jesus, I think the invitation to us is to come anew to the ways of Jesus and say, okay, what does this mean for us? Can we put those ways of Jesus back up, put that list up? When when we're feeling stressed, maybe it's time to press into the way of unconditional love, right? Maybe it's time for us to step into the reality of healing that Jesus has in our life and move more towards that. When we notice we're cozy, it's time for us to say the way of Jesus is a way of justice, of peacemaking and not just peacekeeping. Do you see what I'm saying about that combination of invitation and challenge? A life apprenticing Jesus is one of being empowered. So I want to I bring one more question up before we close, and that is this. Will we invite others to apprentice the way of Jesus? Will we invite others to apprentice the way of Jesus? As I said earlier, we face some challenges in this, don't we? We face some cultural challenges. We face, play, like, have some personal, interpersonal challenges. And it's because the news, the good news, the evangelion, has not always come across as good. And that's just a reality. And I think the temptation is to think that we must prove ourselves, that we are the good Christians. We're not like those Christians. It's like we, you know, I mean, I I think I want us to be loving and kind and generous and and all the things that Jesus is, just like Jesus, but I think it would be a mistake if we thought that it was all up to us to be new PR for Jesus. It's not going to work, first of all, and second of all, that's not our job, (laughs) We get to live into the way of Jesus, not because Jesus needs new PR, but because we believe it's the most compelling way to live. And on days when it doesn't feel like that, we need each other to remind us. I'm going to look really quick at at one more story, because I think it helps us. John 1, 43 through 51. I'm just going to read through it. You can look deeper into it later. But listen to this story. This is the first that I can find recorded story of somebody who is an apprentice of Jesus going to invite somebody else to be an apprentice of Jesus, okay? And it's right in the beginning of 1 John, and we see the story where Philip is being invited by Jesus to apprentice, and he goes to tell his friend Nathaniel, okay? So this is what happens. Um, I'll start in verse 44. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of... No, skip forward. Uh, Yes, Philip found Nathanael, that's his friend, and he told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. He's excited. And then Nathanael's response is, Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked, come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Jesus said, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. And then he added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Philip has been personally compelled to apprentice under Jesus. He goes to tell his friend, and he says to his friend, I found what we've been looking for. But Nathanael's a skeptic, and he says, wait, Jesus from Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Because I think there was some small town rivalries, which I think we still have here. Nathanael says, can anything good come from Nazareth? He's skeptical. Doesn't that sound familiar, though? Can anything good come from the church in America? Can anything good come from people who call themselves Christians these days? It's a good question. What happens here? Philip does not stop and say, okay, let me argue my way into convincing you of something. He does not say, hey, can I defend Nazareth here? That was a little harsh. He just says what? Come and see. And I believe in our lives, if we say come and see... That that's not up to us then, right? It's up to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. When Nathaniel comes to Jesus, Jesus is like, I see you, I know you, and I affirm you as an honest man. And then Nathaniel's just like, man, are you kidding? You saw me under the fig tree? And Jesus says what I would translate into today. He's like, you think that was cool? You ain't seen nothing yet. And then Nathaniel sees amazing things, doesn't he? It's not our job as humans to be the new PR company for Jesus because the people trying to do that aren't doing so hot and I don't think Jesus would hire them. (laughs) PR is not our job. We actually have a clear job. Jesus said, apprentice me, follow my way, love God, love others, and then invite other people to apprentice me. Even if they're skeptical, invite them. And the invite part is, is there. Invite them to come and see And when I think about our world today, come and see might not always or often look like come and see my church or my professional Christian who talks a little too long. Like, I don't think that's actually it. It's come and see my life. It's not perfect. I fail all the time, but I know that I'm trying to follow this way that is so compelling. It's changed my life. He's my leader, my savior, my friend. My life has changed. It's being changed. And that's all I'm telling you. Come and see. And you all do this already. I know you do. But because of this stuff happening, we need to start to let go of the fear of those perceptions. I heard a story from Anna this week where she was like, I I have a teacher friend, and she just came up and said, I know you're a person who prays. Pray for me. Okay? How did that person know that, that Anna was a praying person? I don't know. But probably because I know Anna. She's somebody who sincerely and honestly is honest about who she is as a Jesus follower in appropriate ways. I think that we need to recognize that it can go a long way for people to be sincere but not secret followers of Jesus. I think it can go a long way. When you're compelled by the way of Jesus, it's something that you want to share. And we're going to talk about this more this fall. I think we're going to have a class where we talk about this hard question. How does it sound good in this world today? Let's talk about it. But I want to leave these questions with you. Will we choose daily to apprentice under the way of Jesus? When we invite others to apprentice under the way of Jesus. And as we go into this time of worship, can I invite you to be so bold to ask Jesus for some names for that second question? Just of people that you're willing to maybe be a little more honest with about who you are and who is your leader and savior and friend. This afternoon, you heard we're going to be baptizing people out in the open in the Mississippi River people walk by all the time. Like, what a, what a cool thing for us to show the joy that we have, sincere joy for the way that people are publicly professing their faith. And it's not too late. I'm going to be over here. If you're like, okay, that shirt that, that Adobe had, I want one of those. That's not the reason to get baptized, but we can do it still. There's no reason to wait. Come join us in that. Jesus invites us to become and see people. Or We are people where we are able to live our lives in such a way trying to apprentice Jesus that it's compelling to us first and it might be compelling to the people that God puts right around us.